Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good morning, Dan. How are you? How are you doing? I'm great. Great, great, great. Boop, yeah. boop, 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 boop. Doop, 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 jazz in the morning. <laughs> Did up, zap. Somebody bop, boop, bye, ya. <laughs> nice such mo you're in a Call good such mo. good mood did you get your caffeine in is that uh, no um no but you can call me such mo but not too much just don't call me late for chow oh. god damn it where's the okay <clears throat> um, last night uh it's my show um last night hi how are you oh last night i I I ate the booger last night. Oh um, no. no! Well, you know, I was yeah, I was fixing to have like a pretty normal night, and uh, eh, I mean, I was in I wasn't in wind down mode. I was in pre wind down mode, which is a perilous journey. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you end up getting getting into some stuff. So, uh, what was I doing? I can look at my history. I can rebuild. I can <laughs> I can reassemble my evening based on this. Uh, but I, uh, the point is I ended up landing on a, uh, fairly low quality copy of a fascinating, uh, documentary about the making of aliens. Oh, really? Which, not the, not the one that, that we talked about before, which focused on the, the Geiger stuff. Geiger. Right. Geiger. Yeah. The Geiger. HG Geiger. Geiger. I'm Swiss or something. Um, because I've loved, I loved aliens. I have very great a- high school alien, memories. Okay, can we that. can we just do one thing here, just for my just own do sanity? One thing. Can we call it aliens? Oh, wait two? a minute! No, no, we can't. It's always two things with you. Oh, how are we going to do no, one? It's thing? always two aliens with me. <laughs> aliens too. Affirmative. Um, my thought is <laughs> come out of night mostly. Mostly. I can't believe I didn't recognize that line. You're the second person to make that reference to me. Friend of the show, Thomas Vaziri, made that to me last night. Apparently, I just I have not seen this movie enough, and we'll get to that. Uh, anyway, I uh, I was in pre wind down mode. Well, let's refer to it as Alien Two, which I think don't think I would be the first person, including many of the people who worked on it, to refer to it as Alien Two. So here's the thing: Did Todd work on say, that? I don't know. Um, aliens with an S. That looks cool. Uh, like kind of printed out, like on a poster. Hmm. It's it's murder to say, and in order to differentiate, especially for people who are hard of hearing and speaking, like I am, uh, I'm gonna call it Alien Two. So anyway, I started watching this, and what? Oh, you know what? I'll put this into show notes. Dan, uh, where would people find show notes for episode five five three of your Back to Work program? You said five five three, didn't you? I I five five three two. Okay. <laughs> Five five threes. Five five threes. You can go to back to work dot limo slash five five three. Five five three. Yeah. Okay. Um oh yeah, yeah. So what did I watch? Okay. Oh, oh this all comes up. Everything's important. There's nothing that's not important, Dan. Um um let's see. So I watched uh I put this in notes too, because this was good and it, it's kind of germane to something. Uh psychiatrist breaks down mental health scenes from movies and TV. Oh, uh, you know what? Those. That showed up in my little list too. With the Joker? Yeah. Is that worth watching? Should I watch it? Is it yeah. good? Should I watch it at lunch? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I, I don't know. I think you should watch it at lunch because it, it's got, he covers the waterfront. Um, he, he brings us up to, up to, uh, up to date on a lot of, uh, things that aren't what we used to call them, which I did not know. Hmm. For example, did you know, um, Asperger syndrome? We don't say that anymore. Now that's just been folded into, um, the spectrum. 
disorder? Yes. Yes. Okay. I I because I, I I like Asperger's. <laughs> I don't like their fries, but um, <laughs> oh for laugh. Um, but he, but he told, of course he talked about Camp Peak. He talked about Rain Man, and uh, he talked about uh, just stuff I need need to hear needed to know. The difference between psychotic and psychosis. Uh, just a lot of like you know kind of one hundred one you know. 102 level stuff that I could really use. Um, I thought that was interesting. I watched a really interesting um, video on the history of the making of the movie American Psycho. Uh, that was really good. Well, I, put these links in the thing, man. I, these oh, are this right. is in my uh, wheelhouse. This is squarely in my wheelhouse. Okay, okay, it was Please. really good. Okay, um, and I guess that was kind of a, a journey to get made because a lot of people didn't even want that movie. Yeah, I don't remember how controversial the novel was when it came out. I mean, I barely do. I wasn't paying attention, but I Brady very Snellis, much do. And I read, I read it when it had just come out. And was it disturbing when you read it at the time? Pretty weird. You know, right? I, I'll tell you something, and this Please. might be a topic, but I don't want to derail your uh, your oh, what you're saying. No rails, Dan. No rails. I gotta re- just restart my web brick. The movies that I used to watch and the things I used to read back then were not as disturbing to me at age nineteen or whatever. Yes, then they then they like back for example, when you were an edge lord. I remember that. Okay, so the f- <laughs> the first example <laughs> that mm-hmm. I can think of <laughs> would be multiple examples with you would be Clockwork Orange. Um, the scenes that and you know the scenes. Anyone who's seen the movie knows what I'm talking about. Were yeah, they they sped up Beethoven. Yeah, it seemed like it. it I, I'm not saying I watched it and thought that's fun. I want to go do that, but it, it was you not just drive in front of a green screen. That kind it of thing. was not fundamentally disturbing to me the way that it is deeply disturbing to me now, and I can't right. watch those scenes anymore. And, and the inverse can be true. I think what you're saying is mostly well. So the pattern I feel like you're, you, if I get what you're saying is that when one is yeah younger, I guess I don't know if that's the key part. I don't know if it's your age that matters. It could be your experience. It could be whether or not you have a kid or a parent or what have you. could be whether you know lots of people who've been um, survivors of assault. Like There's a whole bunch of reasons. I think the easy answer is, oh, you're young and callow and you didn't know. I know exactly what you mean, I think. I mean, back then it felt like this is all happening with actors on the screen and now it's like... I know yeah. it's actors on the screen, but that would be horrible. And I, well, and and also just that whole idea—you you hear the story, which I I believe might be true—of the first time there were some people. One of the first times they ever saw a movie, it was uh, just a, a, a short of a of a of a train driving toward the national screen. Yes, and everybody thought it was real. You know, or, my, like, my son it, just said that same thing to me yesterday I, I don't know if they thought it was real but it might as well be real i don't yeah. think they're there i don't think they're simple um but the thing is there there's a, there can be a certain time in life where you just say like oh that's just reflections of light and sound like that's what he worried about but you know maybe as you get older I think probably as you, sorry, become a parent and your heart starts living on the outside a little bit, you, you see things and um, it doesn't even have to be something that's um, canonically triggering. It's just that there are certain kinds of things that really get you. And I, I have to say, there are aspects of Alien 2 that are very much that way for me, where the relationship of Ripley and Newt... Okay, you know, here's a good example, perhaps. Mm. What what has come, the controversial practice that has come to be called fridging. Um, and this idea that, like, oh, there are, for, yes, for so long, exactly so many... I know exactly what you're talking about. 
so many women characters in comics, movies, mm-hmm. all these things. So basically, I- I'm going to get this wrong. You could probably go to TV Tropes and get a better definition. Uh, I'll put that in notes. But when a female character, I'm not going to say only exists, but mostly exists for like pretty bad reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be something like you just need... I mean, I think Doctor Who perhaps has been... Just, fairly criticized for having companions, often women, who are mostly just there to have somebody say, as you know, Bob, explanations of what's happening with Dalek technology or something like that. Um, but then there are some cases where it's just you just need a love interest. I mean, think about what they did with Marty's girlfriend, who has a name, and it's escaping me. Like, uh, you know, where they uh, slipped in Elizabeth's shoe. Oh, yeah. You know? yep. and, or like, oh, she's just passed out in the convertible. Certainly thinking about the films of the great John Hughes. Um, but you know, I think the example of fridging that is most emblematic, well, there's a green lantern where there was literally a woman in a refrigerator, his girlfriend or sister or something, but you know, it's where a woman exists mostly to be harmed as a, and I'm being, I'm trying not to be too gross about this or too like triggering about this, not gross, but triggering. But when a female character exists mostly for a reason to, have the main character get revenge on the bad guy. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like that where you're like, Oh wow. Now, you know, my, my protagonist has a reason to go, you know, meet out justice with his, with his large, strong hands. But in the case of how I felt about Newt and Ripley in 1986 versus how I feel about Newt and Ripley in eight. Uh huh. They 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 show ow ow. They show that scene. Um, eighty four, eighty four. But uh, the uh, but I feel differently a little bit about that relationship now. And when she's, it's it's considering it's James Cameron. It's dealt with so deftly in some ways. Mm -hmm. The way that like we're not going to dwell on the fact that Ripley has or had a daughter, and we're not going to obviously we have to dwell on the fact that Newt did have parents, right? And Probably not the greatest parents, but I guess they were trying to get by. Anyhow, God, I'm so deep in the stack, Dan. Uh, videos. Oh, yeah, so I put some videos in. I, As my final pre-wind-down video last night, I watched this part of this really interesting documentary. And it's one of those in-the-weeds documentaries where they're mainly talking to, like, the designers and practitioners of this. I mean, there's a little bit of James Cameron, and, you know, he's pretty lucid for James Cameron. Um, I, I enjoy him. His sci-fi series, his series about science fiction was extremely good. I'll find that for notes as well. Um, but talking to the guys who, like, who d- designed the vehicles, oh, my God, the vehicles. I mean, it's got to be up there with, like, I want to say, like, Empire Strikes Back, maybe, for cool vehicles. Oh, my God. Um and uh, so then, of course, Dan, uh, I'm going to say maybe around 11.15 or so. I'm not sure. Turn that off. And I watched Alien 2 all the way through. Oh, my gosh. Extended edition. Special edition. Special edition. Oh, my God. That movie's awfully, awfully good. And I know it's good. And in my head, I know it's good. And I, I do. I, I know enough to know that the first one is, you know, nominally about, you know, uh, aliens and, and space. And the second one is much more. It's a, uh, it's a military movie. But I, I always think about the kind of seemingly deliberate, almost Verhoeven level of corniness in so much of the first act of Alien 2. You know, like Bill Paxton, Pullman, Paxton, Paxton Pullman. I think it's Paxton. His character, you know, it's a Bill bug Paxton. hunt, game Bill, over. Yeah, Bill Paxton. 
but like you know, eventually his famous line, "Game over, man." It's it's a bug hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also just like their whole like lock and load, da da da, and the guy with the cigar, you know, telling her what bay to go to and everything. Bay twelve, if memory serves, please. So um, I'm not sure what the point of all of that was. Well, we got a lot of almost topics there. We could navigate that for probably two months of topics, um, including what? What all did I want to talk about here? Oh yeah, I also have anxiety on the list. Um, that's what I did, and that's that's why I'm I'm a little bit out of it. Um, it's I, I've been doing this thing for uh, a couple months now that I should have known this wasn't going to work out. But where I'm, I've developed this slightly different sleep schedule for different days of the week to try. It's been an experiment. Understandably, it's been an experiment. But the deliberate experiment has been, okay, <clears throat> instead of just picking an arbitrary bedtime and get up time, why not play with, it's sort of like, you know, one more time in life, I'd like to have long hair probably because I figure it's worth it to just do it one more time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but, you know, it doesn't really, it's not, I'm not really pot committed to it. Uh, and I I'm not, have not been pot committed to this program, and that's good because it has not actually worked out that well. There are areas in life, here's, here's the thing that happens in life, I think, is you discover um, bioavailable chambers of flexibility. Whoa. Yeah, we should probably capture that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Bio- Let's do it again. Let's yeah. do another take. Bio- <laughs> uh, bioavailable mm-hmm. <clears throat> chambers. Of flexibility. Uh-huh. Is that what I said? Yes, I, I, I said. believe it is what you said. <laughs> yeah. It goes um, by so fast, you, you know, it's tough to keep up with it. But yeah, that was it. I know. Especially when your kid's 14. And, and this is the first year my, care, my kid was a Halloween costume that I, that I had no idea what she was supposed to be. What was she? Oh, it's, a, it's an anime boy. Oh. She's been, she's been Japanese-inflected characters before, not in a racist way. Well, she's a little racist. No, she's not. She's absolutely not racist. Uh, and she does not like my casually racist jokes, which are, you know, a family tradition if you're from Ohio. Problem is, then you want to make another joke an hour later. Um, the, um, you know, and then there's the... Very good. There's the whole problem with driving. Um, <clears throat> had to change it at Ellis Island. Uh so uh, yeah, she's uh, 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 neon neon uh, neon Genesis uh, Evangelion something. She's um, I'm not even trying to say the name. Anyhow, children goes by fast bioavailable. Now, now for 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 garden variety people, especially let's say more than a couple years ago, uh, it, it, it's the the point of the bioavailable uh, flexibility. Chambers is that you don't realize it until you really look for it, and it, like so many things, I guess it, it can be interesting because. So what I'm, what I'm trying to describe here is sometimes as an adult, as a person, uh, it feels like we lead, lead a fairly rigid and proscribed life, where whatever the schedule is that we have adopted or accepted, and again. Like it or not, you have accepted. Your life is how it is because you've accepted how it is. And as you get older, it will become painful to you how much you realize you've accepted and you thought was just how life is. Right. But but with that said, the truth is, like even in college or high school, let's say let's take uh, even high school. Um, in high school, I had to be at school by seven fifteen, and I did not choose that, and it made me unhappy. But 
I mean, just because there's a big rock here and maybe a big rock over there doesn't mean there aren't areas in between where you have a little more flexibility. And as you get older, you become so accustomed to feeling like your entire schedule has been given to you, you know, like the registrar of life hmm, Mm. has given you uh, a schedule to which you must adhere. But I'm going to be bold. I'm trying to use fewer weasel words when I say things. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to use fewer of the sort of adverbs that anybody but the, the most powerful men have to use in life. So I'm going to speak somewhat assertively here. Okay. Uh, it can be surprising how much stuff you end up realizing has accumulated as something that feels like a, like a compulsory part of your life. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't get to, I can't get to the sweet meats of this point until I get through the rough shell of resistance that I, that I would sense from the typical listener. And of course that's this guy. <clears throat> I've got a mortgage. Ah, I can't do anything. Ah! Well, you know, you, your signature's on that mortgage somewhere. Um, that was a decision that you made at some point. I can't help you with that. But like, maybe, maybe, maybe there should be fewer events in life where three seconds uh, make 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 you have a set of compulsories you follow till you die for the rest of your life. But you do you. Um, the uh, the point is though that you will discover these little chambers sometimes. And and like I say, what's interesting about this to me is that as you sort of explore your world and say like, where is there flexibility that I hadn't thought about before? There's a lot of ways to look at this. Like you, you could say like, oh, you get really into like um, taking walks, and you realize, oh, while I'm waiting for somebody to have a doctor's appointment, I could go take a little walk. <clears throat> I could go explore the neighborhood. I could be like John Roderick and take a different route every time. There's all kinds of ways where, like, you know, you, it's your brain that has made you stuck in whatever it is that you're in. And so my experiment has been you f- discover these chambers. And in my case, those chambers involve uh, the bioavailable chambers are to think about things like where, where's their flexibility in my already fairly flex- flexible schedule? I mean, I don't know if it's flexible. I only know, see that's a weasel word because I'm trying not to sound fancy. The truth is that I, I, I am not busy. I am time constrained. That I am a person who has very willfully chosen to have a schedule that is very uh, repeatable, if not regular. Like I do things at the same time throughout the week, which mm-hmm. is honestly what most people do. Yeah. But like, why I would be crazy not to, especially in the COVID times, to look at opportunities for change and flexibility that didn't used to exist or more saliently that I did not have the eyes to see. And then once COVID reminded us that life is not nearly as prescribed and stiff um, and stained <laughs> as it seems, um, my friend Alexander and I have talked about this a lot. You discover on the one hand, it's always two things with us, that there may be more flexibility out there that can be liberated than you realize, but also it may also help help you realize, oh my gosh, here's a rigidity I had just not been paying enough attention to that actually should be a big rock in my road. If there's a thing that whether that's making sure I brush my teeth or whether that's like finding the time to take out the trash, mm-hmm. I mean, your mileage will absolutely vary. That's a valuable thing. And so the the relative fecundity of oh the beginnings of the COVID times led, uh, led me to the opportunity to say, you know, where are the things that I should be noticing more, whether that's rigidity or flexibility? Uh, so anyway, that leads me to this failed experiment. I do not regret this experiment, and I'm still undertaking it, but normally I would say, regardless of the, this is just good best practices for me for sleep, is go to sleep around roughly the same time, get up around roughly the same time. Um, that was a long walk to a very boring pier, but 
during uh, these last few weeks that we, some things have changed. Um, the times at which I record my programs has changed a little bit. Really, almost every one of them has changed a little bit. We used to record this, I think, at like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Now we record at 9, my time. Used to be, we, uh, we've pretty much always at least had it on the schedule to record Roderick on the Line at 10 a.m. Mondays, which we at one point changed to 11 by mutual assent. Um, a big one was that two by Friday changed from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, another fairly big one is that reconcilable differences changed from alternate Thursdays at 6.30 to the same alternate Thursdays at 5 p.m. Now, all of that sounds like really small stuff, but every change brings more change, right? I it's like, like a tile puzzle. Well, it's like a tile puzzle. You, you don't get to move one tile. I mean, you can move one tile, but you're not going to solve the puzzle if you only move one tile. I saw this on the most recent Survivor. Uh, it is known. Uh, so when you change one thing, you consequently change other things. So, like, I can just tell you one of those things that seems really minor, and gosh, I'm sorry to be talking about my life. It's so dull. But one of the things that's just how I am is that I don't like recording podcasts at night. Um, it's not the best time for for the quality of work for me. Too I early, completely too late. 100% agree. And it also puts kind of a crazy hole in the middle of your day life, in the middle of your day and in the middle of your life, right? You, the, the day as the, that is your life. And so, like, if I have to hang around the office <clears throat> to start a show at 6.30 p.m., if I do that every other week forever, I'm going to miss a lot of interesting afternoons, mm-hmm. title. Right, mm-hmm. like if you know, I would probably absolutely, absolutely could could never have agreed to that when my kid was very young, because that's that's the beginning of unhappy hour. That's the beginning of bath time. That's right. the beginning of getting ready for bed. That's the beginning of like high quality parental change making. Um, bedtime stories. I can't miss all of that to talk to Stinky John Syracuse. As much as I love him, I, I couldn't do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the truth is, like, changing from 6.30 to 5 is good. Well, here's the problem. When I record at night, which I don't love doing, I al- almost always end up staying up later than I'd like. And it's not because I'm, I mean, it's not like I was in a fight or something, but I'm a little bit, you like, wind down. No, you got to wind it down. I, I need my wind-down videos, but all these things affect other things. So, so again, now, if you're, if you're schooled in the Book of Merlin, you'll know a lot of this stuff. Your day is a, a continuum, a spectrum, if you like. We've arbitrarily cut it up into 24-hour bits for uh, all sorts of useful reasons, but, you know, you could almost think of night as pre-morning and morning as post-night, because that's all the same you. And if you end up causing a change, you find you uh, exploit or... Uh, apparate some flexibility in your evening and end up staying late and that causes you to get up late. I mean, am I losing my mind? I feel like that's a thing. If we stay up late, we tend to want to sleep late. Right? I mean, that's not a crazy thing. I think that's what most people think. Yeah. Not just because you go to bed early doesn't mean you get up early, but I think, you know, it's, you know, it's easier to pull a rope than push it. And in this instance, um, that small change of making something later, well, at night will make your morning later in morning, I think. So I'm just, again, I'm trying to get through the, the shell of the nut here, which is I want, I want the listener to get on my side about the idea that things are more connected than they first appear. Because we tend to get really bored with looking at connections, especially beyond a first order connection. You know, I'm hungry because I didn't eat. Well, maybe you're hungry because your soul is barren. Like, had you thought of that? And so, 
what that that means that if I've had three or four changes to something that's typically pretty much carved in stone for mm-hmm. months and months and months, I'm going to notice patterns. And so <laughs> the crazy experiment has been that I'm adapting, I'm slightly altering my go to sleep times and my get up times for the around these changes, which means that like uh like ordinarily on a Monday night, I like to get, a, get to bed at a decent time because we're going to record at nine and I don't like being late for things, which now with this, I have been rel- fairly often during this experiment, for which I apologize. Um, but, you know, that also means that, hey, wait a minute though, Tuesday night is when I do Syracuse. Well, you know, <laughs> they really should put a comma in, come on, Eileen. But the, the point is that... Uh, I'm giving you a minute. It's a good long. No, it's a good one. It's good. Okay. And so that means Wednesday, which used to be 9.30 due by Friday, uh, is now 11 a.m. due by Friday. Hey, guess what? And I don't have, I don't have, oh, what hasn't come into this is drop-off duties or pickup duties. Um, and so I don't have any drop-off duties. But oh, I could totally sleep in a little bit on Wednesdays. I could sleep in on Thursdays. I could sleep in, but then, you know what I mean? And the thing is, for me, that generates... It's fun. It's fun because I get to break my own rules like tee-hee, but it also leads to a certain kind of madness because I should just be getting up at 7.35 every day. That mm-hmm. should just be when I get up. I mean, except when I need to do different. But I am a, I'm a brave... I am a soldier of fortune for human possibility. And that means that sometimes I'm going to have to take a mission that's a little inconvenient. And, and, uh, and I'll do that for you, you people, you magnificent bastards. Well, some of you are magnificent but Mm -hmm. i uh and that's that's what i do and that that's why i want to start 15 minutes late today because uh i watched alien 2 last night you weren't planning on watching the whole movie you were probably not you but you you were so inspired by the documentary thing that you had to yes yes and it's it's funny again complicated i there's a couple books i bought for emma when she was really little and it's this really, I think, really sweet. You know, there's a, there's this genre now of kids' books, which are like take something that's like a a mostly grown up thing and make a kids' book out of it, like in a funny way. Like there's a pretty cute series of books, you know, heavily based on these sort of cliches of the Star Wars franchise, and it's basically about Darth Vader's relationship with his two kids, and it's it's a sweet book. And I think that's probably what spawned another, I think, even better series, which is <laughs> about the Xenomorph and Ripley and Newt and Newt's doll head, and it's just this, and so she grew up, you know, being okay with the Xenomorph because she loved that book when she was little. But that's another thing. Like, I hadn't had that book around in 1986, and now I had the experience of watching... I know that sounds silly, but what reading that uh, over and over with my kid. And so I have not watched Alien 2 in a really long time. And if there's, if there's one just overriding point to make about this, you know, sometimes you just forget the same thing over and over. I don't know how I forget this, but I do forget this. Something so improbable... Dan, in the world of Hollywood right. at any time, the third act of Alien 2 is amazing. It's, it's so rare to, to watch a movie where the third act is tolerable. It's these, these days. I feel like a lot of the times it's difficult to find ones where the third act is sad as the last third of the movie. Like the, the, the big action and resolution of the movie, right? Um... 
where it's satisfying. There aren't that movies where the third act is satisfying or where it feels like it's the right amount. Like those Lord of the Rings movies. Somewhere in New Zealand, Lord of the Rings is still having another ending every few minutes. It just... (laughs) <laughs> like my like my poetry teacher Mac Miller used to say, there's no need for this for this poem to end. It might as well go on forever, mm-hmm. which was not a compliment. No. Um, but then, how often do you get a third act that is satisfying? That is good. How often do you get a third act that's arguably the best part of the movie? And it's not just the action, although it is very much the action, but everything in the third act of Alien 2 is relentless. It is without relent. It's like Nandor. It's amazing. And of course, Dan, what's the point of all of this? I thought I would just get up to the point, you know, where Newt comes on. And I love Bishop so much in that movie. I just wanted some good Bishop time. Bishop but is then great. We get, they, didn't, they didn't give him enough oh time. Oh my God. I love that guy. I love him. And I love just the tiny little bit of like mascara he has on. He looks so cool. I love him. Um, but then, of course, we get to the beginning of the third act. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get up to the scene with the loader. The second scene with the loader. Oh, my God. And we're going to get into the, uh, and the explosions. Dan, there's so many explosions. And they got to get out because it's going to detonate. And you can't use bullets. You can only use flames. And oh, my God, Newt's part of the snot wall. Ah! <laughs> Alien 2 is extreme. (laughs) Alien. Alien 1 is very, very... It's like one of my favorite movies. I'm given to believe you enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. When's the last time you watched Alien 2 by James Cameron? Um, Within the last uh, 10 months. Did you watch it all the way through to sitting? Yeah, and then I watched the the recut director's cut version of it too. Oh, do you have a preference? I like the first. I like the theatrical release better. I feel like it I, flows I can't better. believe how often I like the theatrical release of a thing. I'm, I always want. I feel like I'm a sellout or something because I feel like I want to commune. The, the more tide with the is really turned. The tide has really turned on that since something like I want to say the mid '90s. Because there was a time when us us movie grumps, or you know, I'm sort of a uh, an amateur movie grump, but the kind of thing where like, hey man, like I loved Brazil. Um, oh, yeah. But boy, the the theatrical ending of Brazil is a little disappointing to say the least. So then there's like I think I I mean there are movies like Brazil, like Blade Runner. Um, well, Blade Runner's the one I was going to bring up. Absolutely, but what I was going to say was I feel like there are movies like that. I certainly I think The Abyss might be one of these mm-hmm. where there are at least one, two, three mini versions, and with Blade Runner. It's like when I bought one of my first DVDs, the first two DVDs I bought were Rushmore, 1999, Rushmore <laughs> and Meeting People is Easy by Radiohead. And then one of the next ones I bought was uh, Blade Runner, the director's cut. And now today, the conventional wisdom is, oh, no, 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 you don't want that. You want the final cut. Final cut. Which is different than that crappy director's cut. But there was a time when people were saying like, hey, this is, of course, thank God, years before the quote unquote Snyder cut, where people were saying like, oh my gosh, I really wish Terry Gilliam could have another shot at the ending of Brazil. Or, oh my gosh, you know, Harrison Ford is obviously so bored with the voiceovers. It really takes you out of the movie a little bit, although I have nostalgia for it now. But the point is, in the 90s, we wanted the good version of the movie. So we got often what was called a director's cut. Mm-hmm. And then I think later you started seeing more of the special edition or the extended cut and stuff like that. And there are definitely some movies today where I do see the differences and the improvements. But then there's, there's also a lot where I just, I like it's brighter and it's tighter to see the original in some cases. You know, it, and, and that's really the goal, I think, of a lot of the initial cuts that were released into the, into, 
as theatrical releases because they were very cognizant of like how long of an attention span is the audience going to have and what's going to sell yeah. and what's going to make a... It did not used to be okay to have a two and a half to three hour no. action movie. No. I, I do. I feel like... They could, well, they could also... I don't think they could have been made back then just because of the size well, of the budgets that they had and the amount of correct, time also, it would take to do the effects. The, the factor that some people will find ugly about this, but is a reality of your beloved theatrical releases and the wonderful movie system we all miss so much, is that you could only have so many showings in a day. If your movie was two and a half hours long versus an hour and a half long, you can do the arithmetic on how many showings that means you can have at your, at your local cineplex. Like arguably, have, um, Blade Runner theatrical release with the narration mm -hmm. the narration bothers a lot of people he hated doing it and he hated doing it and ridley scott it apparently like it, hated yeah. having to add it yeah it was it was it was it the studio that made him do i it? believe so i believe it was like, the nobody studio. will ever be able to understand this wackadoo movie unless you bring in poor harrison ford to come in and read a bunch and, like explain of, like, what's going yeah. on to us and this is why the umbrellas have lights <laughs> but <clears throat> to me, part of it is like, that's how I saw it first. And so it, it feels weird without it. I'm not saying that it's not better without it. I still am you in keep favor kind of, of it. bracing for it. Like, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, I almost yeah, yeah. feel like it's supposed to be there in a weird way. And mm -hmm. like, they've taken something out of the, it's almost like they, because in a way the narrator is a character, even though it's Harrison Ford, it's a more omniscient Harrison Ford that's speaking. But, and, and like in fairness, if you're if you're one of the youths out there and you only know about these things from uh, articles in uh, Cinema du Cahier, yes. uh, voiceovers didn't. I don't think voiceovers were all. I could be dead wrong about this. I feel like voiceovers did, were not always the way to paper over plot problems that they became. Yeah, voiceovers became a way at a certain point. I think voiceovers became a way to not have to do costly reshoots or to not like if there's a not a plot hole kind of hate that term but if there's something that might be confusing you could cover up so much with a little bit of voiceover right i i, I mean if you think about i want to say god i want to say double indemnity i feel like i'm pretty sure yeah 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 because fred mcmurray begins the movie doing the dictation about what happened before they ever get into the story but there's a there's a pretty big difference from, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to beat up on poor Blade Runner, but there's a pretty big difference between the voiceover in Blade Runner versus, well, let's let's limit it to the Coen Brothers, Raising Arizona. I, I would I would not watch that film without the. I would not even consider that to be a movie. I would not see it. I would not talk if that came out without the narration. Right. I'm well, out. But I, and I you know what? I'm out on all especially Raising Arizona Coen Brother films after that. If he did that, I can't watch any of them. He could find no purchase. Um, and I feel like there's a. There's but a okay, fair but hang on. That's that. That's because the narration. Not only is it a, a a very important device in that film, but the film was written to have it. It was that's a very, always intended that's a very good point. It was there. not a way to paper over. That's a that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it has to be well, there. There's another one um, that I was thinking about and watched. Oh, I want to say Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like, I know Shane Black, he's Shane Black, but like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think might be one of the major sleepers of the last 20 years. It's when Downey was still kind of, you know, freshly back in action. And again, for you youths, if you haven't read this in Cinema du Cahier, I'm just here to tell you, 
you cannot even you cannot even begin to imagine what the world felt like when it was announced that Marvel was about to do their first mm-hmm. real Marvel movie. Yeah. Okay, you ready for a couple factoids? Number one, guess who it's about? Oh, Sp- Spider Man, right? Oh no, we don't have the rights to that. <laughs> Our first major movie is going to be about. Hold on to your hats. Iron Man. <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Who? Oh, you mean the 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 Tin Man guy from the Avengers? Like. F- yeah, 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 but get this, get this, because who's going to play him? Robert Downey Jr. The guy who's asleep in my bushes right now? The, the guy in jail? Like, they couldn't insure him? I think he had to be personally guaranteed by, I forget who it was, but, the, but like to get him insurance so he could do the movie, I was like, no way. And then, of course, he did Iron Man, and then you thought to yourself, nobody, could, nobody else could ever play this role again, right? But then, Dan, have you ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I have not. You know, I think of it as a sleeper. It's a, it's one of the major sleepers of the last twenty years. I'm going to give it to you now as homework. It's it's I'll consider it reserve reading. Um, you don't have to read it for class, but I'll be really impressed and, and maybe give you a gold star. Uh, how do we close out this first act? Um, I watched Alien Two last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and looked at the um, the IMDb, and uh, it's funny. I said this to my wife this morning. If you exclude, by the time that he will have directed all of the Avatar movies, I think there's 14 of them planned. (laughs) If you take out the Avatar movies, that's like all of the Avatar movies, if they get made, will represent something like about a third of the movies he's ever done. James Cameron has not, sorry, sorry, he was mainly a writer. He has not directed that many movies. And what I learned from this documentary, which you should watch, it'll be in show notes. uh, No, spoilers, spoilers. But... He had not done much of anything of great renown. He was about to start on Terminator when I guess he wrote the script for Alien 2. And the the powers that be liked his script for Alien 2 so much that they said, okay, go do your movie, your first movie, and if things work out, we'll wait for you. We will wait to make Alien 2 because we liked your script so much that we'd like you to direct it, but we need to see how you did on that first movie. And that <laughs> right. first movie was The Terminator, and it did pretty well. Pretty decent. His second movie is Aliens. Isn't that crazy? 1986, the year I started college. 1986 was a crazy year. It's also, that would be, I want to say, um, not Twin Peaks, what's wrong with me? Um, Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet, yes. What else was 86. Um, 86 is a, is, a, is a funny year for stuff. It's almost like 1997. It's almost like the year that didn't exist. Um, gosh, Dan, what a wonderful, terrible episode. Did you want to tell me about something you like? Yes. Uh, I was very into the conversation. Give me a Square second Square. to get back to that. Square yeah, Square. you know what? It's going to be a bit Squarespace, Merlin. What is it called? Squarespace. Monorail. You can Squarespace. create a, you know, I want to tell you, everyone listening to this, I have a I message for them. Yes. I'm you, and I don't mean you, Merlin. I mean you, the listener. Oh, you mean the, the, the what I call the global you? The global you. You can now the make a website. You. Did you did did you know that they knew that they could do that, Merlin? I they mean, can make it's websites? sort of like when you see, teach a kid and they say, "Can I go to the bathroom?" They go, "Okay, I don't know. Can you?" And you're like, "Well, now I just urinated because you're trying to be smart." <laughs> it's so exactly you, like that. You have a, you have a dirty boy, and uh, you did not succeed. Can I or may I? Well, you may, but, but now, now you can. also. Now you can. Yes, yes, yes. yes I can. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's all thanks to Yes, Squarespace. I can by Sammy Davis Jr. They... You know what that book should have been called? <laughs> yes, I can if Frank Sinatra says I can. <laughs> it's called Squarespace. 
It's called Squarespace, Merlin, and you could tour. Let's talk about something important. Whatever idea you have, whatever idea you have, you can make that into a website. So you can showcase your work. You can blog. You can promote your physical business. You can promote your online business. You can sell products. You can sell services. People don't even realize you can sell services on the thing. Services. Yeah. Oh, services. Is that in in air quotes? No, that's legit services. Real, the real. No no quotes. No quotes. Let's say you know what. Let's say you're a, a young Harrison Ford. You're a house painter. And you oh wanna, my God! Could, hey, can it be him? Can it be him in Apocalypse Now? Yes. Oh yes. God! And you have to go. You go. You go up to the end of the river. All right. You got to go up the river, and you got. You got to terminate. Terminate his. Uh, his. Uh, his command. You could make a website you, about that with Squarespace. Terminate with extreme prejudice. Yes. It's mm-hmm. got built-in SEO. It's got analytics. If you, if you eat some of these shrimp, you'll never have to prove yourself to me on anything. You want to get uh, you want to get a new we- a domain? You can get it with Squarespace, whether or not you're even setting up a site with them, or you can get both, and then it ties together beautifully. That's something that I, they don't talk about enough. I think is so often when you're making a new website, you've got to worry about the domain and how's it point and what's DNS. I don't know. They just take care of all that stuff for you because you get it all in one place. There's Dan, so Dan, much that did do. not used to be the case. That did not used to be no. the case. And it's no, optimized There were mystery meat problems, right mystery meat impossible problems to track down. It's the reason you and I got the big bucks. And so you say, my website didn't work. And you say, wait, why'd you say it like that? And they go, my website didn't work. Well, oh, cool, okay, well, it could be anything. It could be a bug, not a bug, a feature of Internet Explorer. It could be uh, a feature of DNS. It could be a feature of you forgot to close a, let's say, let's do a good one, close a P tag or an I tag. I tag. <laughs> What a different time. And now guess what? They do that for you. I almost feel like Squarespace needs to break this into like three different ads because I think they're, they offer such different, extremely valuable and, and uniquely good things. The, the thing that they're obviously moving into, this is meta-analysis in my metaverse, is that they're obviously moving into like encouraging you to understand, like you get this really good SEO stuff and you get this good email stuff and you get this, you can do your products, but like that's all one amazing thing. The other amazing thing is like how easy it is to use that you could get anybody set up on this and it's actually fun to use. And then like the cost of ownership, sorry, the cost of ownership on a Squarespace site is nuts. There's this one very fair, reasonable number that they charge you. And then guess what? It's, it's like, it's almost like you spend that amount of money to get to eat in a restaurant for a year and you just show up and it's all amazing. Great service, great food, comfortable, comfortable seat. Rudy will await your foundation. All of these things. And like, do you understand how hard, it, how difficult it would be for you to go and start your own restaurant every day? There's a reason we don't do it. Squarespace. <laughs> so people should go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. That will support us. That'll support the work that we're doing here. And then... When you're ready to sign up, you go to the, you can go to squarespace.com slash it's your show every morning when you wake Do up it. in the morning. It doesn't cost anything for you to go there. That costs nothing. But when you're there no. and you're like, oh, I want a website. It's like I if you had wings. It's like if you have wings. You don't need a, a you know, ABCDE ticket. You can't right. land on a fraction. No. But you walk right on to if you had wings. If, imagine if you had to create Eastern Airlines if you had wings every single morning. And you say to yourself, well, it's free. Well, why don't you go to the one that's already free? In this case, it's not free. It's not. It's not. It's not free as in beer. It's free as in life, Dan. Uh huh. Yes. Hmm. So go to squarespace.com slash it's your show, and when you're there, you will save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or a domain when you use the show code. It's your show. One word, no spaces. It doesn't nope. have to be all caps, but I would say do all caps. I bet you they fix that for you. You remember how like. Uh, 
Gruber talking about like, oh, he, he, oh, look at me, I got HT access. There's no triple dub. Oh, look at me, I'm John Gruber. Like they'll they'll help you. They'll do the stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can go in if you want to noodle around and get into a text area and make some changes. You can do that too, or you can just drag and drop. And guess what? Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. Io. I would say probably. What about a unique domain name? That can help you get a unique domain name. Yeah, ten percent off that too. Using the do promo they guarantee code it's going to be unique? Like, I guess by being all caps, that's a form of uniqueness. The way that they guarantee it's unique is if you type in, like, I tried this okay. the other day. I, I typed in okay. apple.com and it said I couldn't apple. register that one. Oh, did you do it all lowercase? I tried both upper and lower, and then I tried mixed case. Try doing tabs instead of spaces. Okay. Two spaces. Well, I, no, 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 no. I can't do that. It's two, no, 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 two no. spaces per tab. So it's two spaces with you. You know, I think it's interesting because in... Oh, thanks very much, Squarespace, uh, for making this show possible, Merlin Mann. Um, I'm going to be using Squarespace today. We had an extremely funny episode. Well, sorry. <sighs> Pat myself on the dick here. We uh, we did a very good rhetoric on the line. We've been on a really good run lately, and uh, I just wasn't up for recording a couple ads yesterday. I'd done the basic, you know, quote-unquote edit. <laughs> I put three cuts in it. But uh, I didn't record my advertisements yet, um, one of which is for Squarespace. And so I have to do that today, and then have to, choose to, need to, too black, too strong. I'm going to go in and be in Squarespace I'm, you know what, Dan? I'm going to get Roderick on the line up today before you've even had the opportunity to edit this. It's going to be Dang. like John Henry versus the Cotton Gin. <laughs> Which one's faster? <laughs> that would be funny. If instead of a locomotive, he raced a Cotton Gin? Wouldn't that be funny? Be John Henry? Bad. Yeah, John Henry. Well, John Henry was a man <laughs> who made cotton. And one time he raced him a gin. Mm-hmm. Not the kind that you get in a nightclub, but the kind that... Cotton turns to sin. Back to you, Dan. Hi. Hello. So what I was going to say is, it's interesting because I have found, you know how there's this huge debate in between spaces and tabs and things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about language-specific things in the sense of Python, where spacing portrayed is Portrayed in a very funny... And, and, right, exactly. You know, like Python, that's what it is. But right. But I'm saying... Like, portrayed I'm, in a very funny way on Silicon Valley, where Richard Hendricks uh, breaks up with this really cute girl because she uses... I forget which one it is. Because she uses... Yes, she uses spaces rather than tabs. And, the, and, and this sound starts driving him insane. Well, the, the, that's silly because everyone knows that the editor respects your preference and when you hit tab it does spaces instead so you're not actually ever hitting the space bar you're still hitting yeah the tab. real question should be lint versus nothing yes but when you hit tab it's going to either insert a tab character or the number of spaces that you specified in the preferences of your text editor so you're never actually hitting the space bar but that's like it's a cute joke but the thing is i noticed that this <laughs> tends to happen in languages <laughs> you be- still have it in you <laughs> because on anyway <clears throat> because uh, with something like Ruby, people generally tend to prefer spaces to tabs and usually two spaces rather than four. But in JavaScript, it's spaces instead of tabs uh, usually. And four spaces is kind of the rule. So if you're ever doing the thing where you're like, ah, oh, man, I got to write some JavaScript, but nobody wants to write JavaScript, even jQuery and Things like that don't help that much. I mean, they're great, but, you know, you're still writing JavaScript. And so you go to the internet and you search in a thing and then you find the code and you copy it and you paste it and then you're going to edit it and modify it to make it work in your situation. 
And you notice that it, all the indentation is, doesn't match the rest of your Ruby project or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. because JavaScript is using double the number of spaces or whatever they use. It's like, I don't think some people do. I've heard anywhere between like two and eight. Like, don't, don't some people eight. go like pretty crazy? Well, like, can't you do like a bunch, a bunch? And, and cause like, I remember when I first worked with some cold fusion guys that they did this thing that at the time seemed nuts to me. When, even at the very beginning of me being obsessed with page load time, these guys, at least in their IDE in home site, have you ever done the thing where you have an at the attribute and like you put a space and you line up all the equal signs or whatever, you know what I mean? So you can like visually see a line equals left, mm-hmm. like everything, each, uh, yeah attribute aspect has its own line and i thought oh my god do you have any idea how much weight you're adding to those pages in 1999 (laughs) like no no it just it just takes at the end it takes out all the spaces and no one cares but (laughs) it retains our beautiful organization and visual look of this yeah and i I think that homestead have code folding i think it did but the idea was you could very quickly pop like once you you lived in that setting for a while and you can't go back. You're like, why would you keep everything on one line? That would be like getting a novel that's just doesn't have returns and indents. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I I can't. Eight spaces eight, eight, might be wrong. Spaces. I might be eight spaces. If there's yeah, anyone listening space. to this who uses more than four spaces, please uh, message me on Twitter. I. I I want to understand. I want to learn. I want to understand. No, you don't. No, 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 no. You don't. No, I do. I do. No, you don't. It's the same thing. Twitter's the place you... Do not talk to Dan on Twitter about spaces and tabs. I am literally begging everyone, including Dan. Do not talk to Dan about this on Twitter. Because you'll get into your Gleep Glorp mode where, 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 you sound, where you sound like a, like a coin-operated uh, AI. And you go, I, <laughs> I do not understand. Eight spaces. Beep boop. And then everybody's mad. You know, and then they drag me in. They drag me in the canoe. I would like to hear everyone who uses eight no, spaces hit me really up wouldn't. on Twitter. And mm. th- this is the same kind of thing as people who don't understand that, uh, at least here in, in Texas, that the middle lane is where you go when you're turning left. If the oncoming traffic on the left-hand side is, is, is not there, it's not present, they're way back there at the light, you've got the room to turn left, you go into the middle lane, and then you merge into the right lane. That's the correct thing to do. <laughs> Nobody gets this, Merlin. Nobody gets this in every single like day. You Dennis Reynolds. One of my favorite episodes of Sunny, my, uh, probably my daughter's absolute favorite episode, is uh, Dennis and Mac moved to the suburbs, which is a very, very funny episode. It is the, if, if you've seen an Always Sunny meme... There's a pretty good chance you've seen a scene like when Dennis throws the macaroni and cheese plate down the hallway. Um, but what Dennis now has to commute into Philadelphia from the suburbs and he loses his goddamn mind, just screaming and screaming. He thought it was going to be relaxing. He could just listen to Brian Adams, but he's just screaming at everybody who doesn't know how to use the road, right? It is frustrating. Like, you know, like California stoplight rules that now most places have. There are still some places where you can't turn right on red, I think. Can you do that in Texas? I bet you anything's legal in Texas. I, no, not everything right. is legal. You can turn you can turn right on red most most cases. Oh, you can't control your body, but you could make a left turn. Uh huh. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, I like soup. Uh, I don't know what this last part's going to be. Uh, actually, we probably have we given enough yet? What time is it? I mean, oh, I have al- given. We've almost enough. given. Enough. I think you've, you've given definitely given double enough. as an, as much as usual. But me talking. As you do, God, what are we going to pick for short? We have so many options. This may take a while. Have you ever had durian? Um, the, the durian fruit? Is that the pointy one? It's got little points on it, and then inside it's... Yeah, it's, no, I, I, we, are, we have a local... Uh, it's not ice cream, it's gelato. 
but like this, like this, I'm this swear to God, it's not racist. It's Italian gelato, but it's extremely popular with local Chinese folks. And it seems to get even more popular when it gets cold. Like, it's so interesting to me. Like, white people are woofing down ice cream when it's hot. Chinese people are lined up out the door when it's cold. That's, Maybe that's it's a chi thing. Could be a chi thing. But um, durian is, was one of their most popular flavors there. We go in because we're white people. I always get my kid a small chocolate and vanilla in a cup. Uh, <laughs> in a cup! Septua Centennial. Um, God, my, I wish I had control over this. Uh, durian. I've never eaten a durian. Is that is that one of those mystery meat popular in Asia fruits that's yes. not what you think it's going to be? And it supposedly smells it like bitter? stinky diapers. I want to say it's bitter. It's supposed to smell like diapers. D- smells like stinky diapers. diapers. Yeah. I've never had it. I want to try it. And then the place oh. the, around the corner that is like the you know Asian uh, grocery place with the fruit, mm-hmm. they don't have it. Don't have it. Maybe it's special order. My kid wants to try it. I'm like, let's try it. And we went oh, there and didn't good have for, it. We, good bought for them. A, we bought some kind of weird giant pear. And it was like flavorless. Huh. I had no flavor. I think that you're describing Hustler. <laughs> the magazine? Yeah, giant pear. <laughs> Whoa. I give and I give and today. I give. On fire today. Fuego. Uh, another example of a movie I watched all the way through the other night I that I didn't mean to. Because apparently I'm a horse. I watched Apocalypse Redux. Mm-hmm. Or it's got to be Redux. Got to be Redux. I guess. Well, you, you I, don't think so? Well, oh. I do the the, the little the, the scene in the second act when they go to the French colonial place, oh, the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. I think I think even Francis might agree that boy that was a lot of work and money for something that didn't pay off and really just super slows down the film at a point when it's getting super interesting. Yeah, because they're pretty far at that point. They're fairly far up the river. Like they're they're past. I think we've had the puppy at that point. Like I think a lot has happened at that point. But I just want to give that as an example of the Redux. Some of the Redux stuff is terrific. And the thing I said to my kid, I can't get my kid to watch Dune with me. I can't get my kid the, the new one watch. or the other one. Yeah, any of them. No. She's just not interested. But she will be. She will be. Um, but I said, I said the thing about this is, I would love for you. There's a movie I'd like you to see, but you, you do need to see Apocalypse Now first. I said, but the truth is, Apocalypse Now. Um, and I also share with her as she's a well, she's a currently closet. It's the only thing she's closeted about. Her currently, she's currently kind of a slightly closeted Star Trek fan because <laughs> she, she she wants to control which kind of nerd she is. Right. But I said I'll tell you a funny fact. The uh, the month that I started military school, September of 1979, the uh, mall in um, well near St. Petersburg, not technically in St. Petersburg. Um, there were two movies showing. It's always two movies with that mall. Um, it was Apocalypse Now and the first Star Trek movie. She's like the first Star. I was like, yeah, no, no, the f- 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 first Star Trek movie, mm. the one with the wigs, like that one. Yes. Like that was what was showing that in Apocalypse Now. Um, but I was rewatching. A, I said to her, like, I want you to see Apocalypse Now just so you can see Hearts of Darkness, because the film that Francis Ford Coppola's wife Eleanor made about the making of Apocalypse Now. I, you know, I, I don't have a. I don't have a pot committed, go to the grave feeling on this. I think pound for pound, as you watch any of those movies today, I think the superior movie might be Hearts of Darkness. Have you watched it recently? No, I have not watched it recently. It, um, you know, it does what it says on the tin. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it basically treats the making of Apocalypse Now like its own version of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. No kidding. 
because boy, did he ever go through it. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil this, but the stuff that you get to with Brando is, 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 there's a reason that the scenes of Brando in Hearts of Darkness are famous. It's amazing. Dan, please write this down. See Hearts of Darkness. I'll just give you one. Do you remember the amazing sequence? I think it's when, um, when uh, Robert Duvall's people are, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when Robert Duvall's people are coming because they want to surf because Lance is there and they want to, he wants to surf. And they just start shooting up that village and the woman throws the hat and the helicopter and all of that. So they had basically rented the helicopters from the Philippine army under Marcos. And, but they had put that whole scene, it's very much, very much Tropic Thunder, you know, where they had gotten everything all set up for this incredibly costly explosive sequence. And right when things were starting to go, the helicopters got pulled away to go do something for the army. Mm. And like, he would just have to like start over. <laughs> then there was a hurricane. Then there was Marlon Brando. Right oh my God. But, uh, uh, the hurricane was Marlon Brando. Hurricane Brando. Mm-hmm. I think I swallowed a bug. <laughs> Boy, are you in for a treat, my friend. I can't make up any more dialogue today. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Mm. Uh, what else did I have here? Apocalypse Redux. Uh, Rudy will await your foundation. Um, Alien Kids book. I'll write some of these things down. Boy, I got a busy day today. I got Syracuse tonight. I got mm. a busy day today. Mm-hmm. Have this half a sandwich. Dan, Dan, I've discovered a sandwich that I like. Uh, uh, well, it's you know in the class of Italian sandwich. I'm always searching for the best Italian sandwich like a hoagie? That's available. Not technically, it's not what I would consider a, a hoagie because it doesn't smell like bo. Um, <laughs> I do put lots of extra vinegar on it. Dan, you know what I do when I? Okay, there's a place in West Portal called Little Original Joe's, which is a terrible name. Little Original Joe's. So there's an Original Joe's, and this is the little version. No, 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 no. Original Little Joe's. I'll allow. You know. But anyhow, I get it. And then I, what I do is I get, I buy two or three of these sandwiches at a time. And what I do is I put a little bit of, a tiny bit of balsamic, but then mostly some red wine vinegar on it, smash it down good. And then I seal it in a food saver bag, like I would do sous vide in, and let it sit overnight. So then it gets the proper amount of smushiness and, and um, vinegariness. And I love these sandwiches so much. And then yesterday I had half a sandwich. And I says to myself, I got half a sandwich here. But guess what? I pulled up steaks and left too early yesterday. Uh-huh. And I left the sandwich out. And I keep looking at the sandwich. And it's, it really feels like it's kind of about life, Dan. I love the sandwich so much that I can't accept the fact that it's not really my sandwich anymore. And if it were my sandwich, I would probably get the trots pretty bad. The Italian trots. Oh. <laughs> Who invented the Italian uh, movable type. Um... <laughs> Are you are you getting any of this at all? Yes, it's good. Do you do you know what they you know you know what the the underlying um, c- code was made in? It's a made it with a pearl. Mm. Oh, it's a no python. Mm-hmm. That's a no good boss. Mm-hmm. All right, I've given you goddamn people so much today. This is good, you're on fire. Did you have caffeine today? Is that what this is? Did you I've have a lot had, of coffee? No, no coffee. I'm off coffee. Are you I've really? Had, um, yeah. What are you having instead? The, the Sencha? Iced tea. My Tahava. Ha. Oh. Oh. Um, Yeah, and I need to get more of that. Uh, anyway, I, there's a little, a little bit more of this. I mean, this show, it's like Mac, my uh, poach teacher and former sponsor, Mac Miller, said, there's no need for this show to end. It might as well just go on forever and ever, and I suspect it will. So that's where we are today. I need to work on a lot of things for notes. We've got some titles. We've got uh, show art. We've got Newt. And what I have to say to all of you is uh, affirmative.
I mean, if you want to do like uh, Newt, um, Newt as the as the like the 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 show like his book. Oh, I'll I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Do you think she's English? She must be English because they shot it in England. And um, boy, I'm giving everybody a lot of homework, and for that, I apologize. If I I'm already going to be spending two hours on the notes for this, I think. So I, I I'm not time to make a playlist. But if I could, I'd make a playlist, and I would say, uh, watch that video about the, if you like Alien Two, aka Aliens. Um, it's real good. And um, yeah, it was shot in England, and they had to do all kinds of stuff. Like they had to make their own set, and they ended up making a set that they like. <laughs> but they made it. They got a set that used to be something else, and they had to do a asbestos abatement and daily testing on it. But they ended up with a place because of what they had to do that had higher quality than Pinewood would have had at the same time yeah and that's that's a good ass studio yeah. i mean that's where your that's where your boy stanley liked it yeah go. i mean that that was his pinewood jam. pinewood am i talking about the boy scout racing what's it called what's the studios pinemont pineford used to be i can name every kind of pine <laughs> pine nut huh say to me harlan naming nuts Quit naming all those studios you're gonna make me watch that movie again. Well, listen, are you gonna put these links into the show notes so that the listeners Jesus Christ, can... Dan, I I have listen, listen, stacks and stacks. I've got so much stuff here. Oh, I also got a date stamp that I'm loving. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Weasel Words, the difference between better and less bad. Oh, that's for the document. Okay. Okay, as uh, as Silvio says in, in my favorite line in the first episode, <laughs> uh, we started we watched started watching The Sopranos last night. Um, have you seen, you've seen you that before, right? Which one, Sopranos? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but I can't wait to watch it. And Did you I watch happily... the, the other thing? Yeah, I just tried. I tried. I haven't, I haven't even tried. Didn't. Is it not? Eh, you know, I, I don't want to assault your game. No, just please do. I just save me the trouble. No, no, I don't want to But there's in. a scene where they're at Silvio's club, and they're sitting down, and it's him, and oh, gosh. I think, was it the Jewish guy? I think they call him a less nice name. But, you know, is it hot? You know the one guy? The Oh, Older balding Jewish guy, yeah. such an H maybe. I forgot his, it has been a. Uh, no, you're not talking about Hyman Roth from The Godfather. Don't get those guys confused. <laughs> Gonna take a nap. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but this, there's just a, this wonderful line that even in the first episode, there's so many good lines and like him talking to Melfi as a framing device for like what mm. he can and can't say to her and in, chasing down the guy. Are you suggesting guy. that they use that instead of narration? I don't know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but there's a scene when they're talking about, it might be because Christopher killed the, the Czechoslovakian guy, Emil, who he calls Email. Oh, yes. He killed Emil, and, um, but there's just this wonderful scene where they're sitting around, and it's just, they're, they're talking and talking, and God damn, what's his name? They call him the Jew, I think. But anyway, they, um, they're talking, the three of them, and at one point, they're talking about somebody who got, who, I think they're talking about maybe trying to whack, um, Junior wants to whack somebody at Artie Bucco's place. And that would ruin his place. And Tony's trying to manage all this. And they just cut to Silvio and he goes, sadness accrues. <laughs> what a great line. A line. Sadness accrues. There's an accrual of sadness, sadness. here. Sadness. Like it's sadness a commodity accrues. that can be traded, yes. saved, stockpiled. Absolutely. Like Gabagoo. Gabagoo. That's right. Um, anyway. I think we can all agree on cheese. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for visiting with us. The show will go on forever. Uh, Dan, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.